0: We will be uh, where we just read out there. Um, and uh, in just a bit too, we'll be looking shortly at a passage in the Gospel of John uh, chapter 14. We'll be looking at verses 16 through 26 there, uh, just so you can be I uh, have a heads up for that when we get to that. Um, maybe have a finger placed there. Before we uh, get started though, uh, uh, let's uh, pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, we thank you for blessing us to come together tonight to worship you, to praise you, to uh, raise our voices together in in glorifying your name. Uh, Guide us now as we come to your word, as we open your word. Instruct us and teach us therein, Lord. Uh, Teach all who would hear me tonight as I preach, and uh, teach me, Lord, through your word tonight as I preach. Uh, Use my... Uh, the weak vessel that I am, uh, to the glory of your holy name. Help me, Lord, to make Jesus clear and uh, clearly shown. It is in his holy name that we do pray. So we're starting there at the end of chapter 3, around where we left off last time, uh, last time I preached, Um, and just looking at the last part of that verse as it works into uh, chapter four, as we get into chapter four here, Uh, that we end off that final verse there in chapter three with, we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he gave us, Uh, that we, as we've been looking through the epistle of 1 John, we've seen tests that can uh, verify for us whether someone is truly in Christ or if they are um, alien to Christ, uh, and additionally, too, uh, John is, throughout this, uh, giving this idea to, to, to the idea of a, of a true or false teacher as well. Um, but, but so far, the, the evidences that we've seen and looked at have been that of orthodoxy, having the correct understanding of who Jesus is, of the gospel, uh, the like, having obedience to where one is obeying the commands of God, and then... The one that we had looked at last time, of course, being love, which John will continue to, to touch on love as we go along, as as love is an integral part of uh, all of this. Uh, love, out of the three uh, tests that we've looked at so far, has been uh, really sort of the glue, the the overarching uh, example here of what uh, of of the overarching fruit, as it were, out of the three here. And uh, so in this verse, though, we have, uh, as it were, an ultimate summation of what these three are. Um, and it's in this that the one who, is, who, who belongs to God uh, is known by his abiding in us, the spirit whom he has given us abiding in us. Um, This is just what Jesus said to us there in John chapter 14. We're at a mention before we got started. John 14 verses 16 through 26 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, that he may be with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. "'Because I live, you will live also. "'On that day you will know that I am in my Father, "'and you in me, and I in you. "'He who has my commandments and keeps them "'is the one who loves me. "'And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, "'and I will love him and will disclose myself to him.' "'Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, "'Lord, what then has happened "'that you are going to disclose yourself to us "'and not to the world?' "'Jesus answered and said, "'If anyone loves me, he will keep my word.' And my Father will love him, and we will come uh, to him and make our dwelling with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. (laughs) Accordingly, then, we can say that the... Evidences that we've looked at so far, that of orthodox faith, obedient to, uh, obedience to God's commands, and a genuine Christian love are evidences really of the new birth because they are products of the work of the Holy Spirit within the Christian. Uh, that this is um, the summary of, of those tests, as it were, that the Holy Spirit indwells the Christian. Uh, these are inseverably linked together, uh, that, that one who is indwelt by the Spirit of God will necessarily produce these fruits. Uh, If they are at all missing from a suspected Christian's life, then we can be assured that they are not a Christian. Uh, Just because the Holy Spirit, if he indwells a person, he will necessarily make those changes in the life of a person. As Jesus even says there in that passage in John 14, uh, that the one who, who loves me will keep my commandments. Uh, The one who loves Jesus, who is that, but the one who has been born again. The one who is indwelt by the Spirit of God. The one who is a new creation in Christ. So then, if a person is indwelt by the Spirit, these things will be evident in the person's life. Uh, If any of these are missing, we can be guaranteed uh, that the person is outside of Christ. Uh, So the emphatic summary of the matter then, from John is that the one who is a Christian, in those, in those who are true Christians, we will see that uh, true belief, uh, the, the belief in what is true, uh, a life that is obedient to that truth, and a love for him who is the truth and for all who are his, which ultimately means uh, that we will be indwelt by the Spirit of God. And so, going from there, we, we springboard into chapter four, where John leads off uh, in the first verse, um, sort of contrasting then where we have uh, where we ended off in verse twenty four of chapter three. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, setting over against the fact that the Christian, the true Christian, therefore. Uh, the true Christian teacher will be indwelt and guided by the Spirit of God. The false Christian, uh, the person who is a false uh, convert, uh, we could say, and then the false teacher uh, as well are led by a different spirit. Uh, therefore, it is necessary that we would test these things. Uh, the, the, the The warning there really is to take caution uh, against Any teachers who come to us, especially if there's this idea of a new teaching. Um, New teaching is just old heresy. We are led by the Spirit of God into all truth, and so setting us over against that... uh, sort of building out the contrast there, we're led by the Spirit of God into all truth, and God works this out from the Holy Spirit, drawing us to the Scriptures continually, renewing our mind, revealing the truth of God contained therein to us, and growing us in that. Uh, but set that over against uh, the ones of this world who are, uh, and, and particularly false teachers, is really, I think, the crux of what John is getting at here, is, is that of false teachers. Uh, that they are those who are led by a different spirit, a satanic spirit, uh, a spirit um, of of deception, of falsehood, a spirit leading into deception, depravity, and falsehood. Um, Very very much similar to, say, the the false prophets of the Old Testament, Uh, many of them spoken of uh, as being those led by an evil spirit or, or having an evil spirit. So accordingly, John warns us not to believe every spirit, uh, every teacher that comes to us. Rather, we are to test them uh, to see whether they are actually from God. We're to be like the Bereans that we read about in the book of Acts, who, on hearing the gospel preached by the Apostle Paul, uh, they did not uh, immediately they did not immediately take uh, take everything that Paul said at face value. Uh, Instead, they went to the Old Testament Scriptures, they opened up the Scriptures to see if the things which Paul said aligned with Scripture. Um, And in in Paul's case, uh, we're we're actually to do the same then. With with, uh, any teacher who comes to us, uh, we're to take them, compare them to the full canon of Scripture, not just the Old Testament. We now have the completed canon of Scripture uh, that we can test all teachers who come to us. Uh, Faithful... Teachers, therefore, uh, like Paul, will not be be more reluctant against that, for for them to be tested. Uh, We see the example of Paul there in the book of Acts, and and by extension, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, uh, in in their remarking on the Bereans. They were called more noble than those Jews of Thessalonica because they did this. They, They looked into the scriptures rather than... Uh, The the Thessalonican Jews, they simply opposed Paul without even opening the scriptures. Um, But the Bereans looked into these things. And so, too, we are to do. Uh, Any teacher who comes to us, we're to open up the scriptures, we're to test the things that they're saying against what the apostles and the prophets have laid out for us. What God really has laid out for us through his apostles and through his prophets. Uh, Here we see, too, Paul did not fear uh, being tested against the Word of God. Uh, He respected it. Uh, And therefore, too, anyone who is a true teacher ought to do the same. Uh, So test the teaching that's brought to you. Test all teaching that's brought to you um, here in this church, out on the Internet. Uh, Test my teaching. Uh, Dig into Scripture. See if the things that I am saying to you are accurate are in alignment with what God has said in his word. Darkness, lies, and deception fear the light, but the truth thrives in the light. True teaching is is desirous of you to actually dig into the word so that you can be confirmed in what's being taught to you. And So how can we tell then the spirit of truth from that of the spirit of error? We have uh, going on forward in verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. So John makes it clear that inevitably these false teachers, uh, false spirits, will have an incorrect Jesus, an incorrect view of who Jesus is. And we say we we touched on this uh, really back in in chapter 1 there, uh, that this sort of goes in line, this uh, portion here goes in line with that first test, that of orthodox understanding of the faith. Uh, the, The real danger usually comes from, from in, in these false religions, comes from their mishandling of the, of the truth here, uh, that, that they'll sometimes get some things right. Sometimes things will be correct, but then just in the worst, wrong place, they get something small or even something great and massive wrong. Uh, but the more dangerous it is, uh, the, the more correct it seems, uh, but not quite correct it is, the more dangerous it is. The closer to the truth the deception is, uh, the more extra deceptive it is. Uh, the more damning it is. Uh, Spurgeon is quoted as saying, "Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong; rather, it is the difference between uh, knowing the difference between right and almost right." And therefore, these false teachers many times will pay lip service to Jesus. They'll speak of a Jesus. A uh, Jesus who, and you know, you might they might initially pass the smell test. That well, they they mention Jesus. They say that they love Jesus. They even say that they worship Jesus. But what Jesus are they talking about? Uh, does their Jesus uh, is their Jesus eternally God? Uh, that was a big one early, uh, early on in the early church. Uh, one of the first church uh, controversies was that of the Arian controversy, uh, where. A group of heretics arose and they said that Jesus was not eternally God, uh, but instead was a created being. Uh, An exalted created being, but a created being. Uh, If Jesus is not God, then we have no hope. One who is just a man cannot save us as man. Uh, He must be perfectly the God-man. Is there Jesus born of a virgin? A very popular one in our uh, modern era. Uh, for the past 60, 70 years or so has been um, among many more liberalized churches to deny the virgin birth of Christ because it is such an unfathomable thing that the God of all creation who created the entire universe out of nothing um, in the span of six days by simply speaking uh, can enter into the universe through a virgin birth or enter into his creation by a virgin birth. That's unfathomable to them. But if Jesus is not virgin-born, virgin then he cannot save us. If Jesus entered into this world like you and I did, uh, then he is of Adam's race and still under Adam's curse, that of the fall. And if Jesus is under Adam's curse, under the curse of the fall, uh, then he cannot be sinless and cannot save sinners. Jesus must be virgin-born. Uh, is there Jesus, the promised Messiah? Is there Jesus, the Lion of Judah? Is there Jesus, the Suffering Servant, as well as the Lamb of God? Uh, the Jews of Jesus' day were looking for uh, were looking for the Messiah, looking zealously for Him. They even at points thought it that it might be Jesus, and they were wanting to, at one point, take Him by force and make Him king. Uh, but their idea of what the Messiah was to be was completely wrong. They were looking for a political Savior from Rome's oppression, Rome's grasp. When instead, Jesus came not to free us from some transient physical oppression necessarily, but instead the great oppression that has bound us all our lives, that oppression to sin, that began when Adam fell. They were offended at Jesus because because he pointed out to them that they were enslaved not really to Rome ultimately, but to sin. And he pointed out the same to us. Does their Jesus point that out, that we are enslaved to sin, outside of him, and that we need him as Messiah, the anointed of God, as the Lion of Judah, to conquer our great enemy, as the suffering servant, to suffer in our place as the Lamb of God, to bear the wrath of God on our behalf, as our sacrifice? Does their Jesus match that? Is there Jesus sufficient to save from sin's penalty to the uttermost, or does he need the help of a co-mediator or a co-redeemer? Does he need, uh, or even does he need to consistently have his sacrifice uh, re-upped week after week? Is his sacrifice, when he on the cross said it is finished, telestai, is that it, is that, is that enough for them? Or is there Jesus a Jesus who didn't quite get it all done? Is there Jesus, a Jesus who judges sin in his people and in the world? Uh, Does there Jesus condemn sin, or does he just wink at it? The true Jesus we can know for certain because we saw that he died on the cross for the penalty of sin, does not wink at sin. There is the evidence from God that not even the smallest sin, not even the smallest peccadillo of a sin... The the most we all have our our pet sins that we try to cling to so zealously, but even the ones that we might blink at, we might just sort of brush off as though they're nothing. On the cross, Jesus died for that sin. There is no sin that Jesus winks at. Does there Jesus promise a cross now and a crown in glory? Does he say to you to me to die right now to me to die to what Luke wants to pick up the cross to follow after Christ to accept the way of of dying of death and living to God for his glory Or does there or does there Jesus offer a crown now with no cross Does he say that you can have your best life now You can you can have your best life now But if this is your best life now, I pity you. This is as good as it gets. For the one outside of Christ, the one believing in a false Christ, this is as good as it gets. A miserable, painful world full of sin and evil. Where people take advantage of one another, murder one another. And point point right there of someone taking advantage of others is that one who gave us that term of living your best life now. He and his ilk, taking advantage of people. Scooping up money by the bundles from them while he carts them off to hell. There is a crown for the Christian. There is a good life for the Christian. And we can experience some of that joy, some of that peace right now, but it is not in health, wealth, and prosperity in all things right now. We look for a greater a greater day coming. And right now is the way of the cross, and the crown is later. Does there Jesus say, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Or does he say to you, work and work and work and work and work, and maybe, just maybe, you can earn yourself into my good graces. What a, a, what a burden to lay upon people, yet there are those who do. Uh, and they might not even overtly do it by saying those things. But it might be uh, this, this notion that you have to consistently keep it up and maintain and, and keep just doing or, or doing and doing and doing because you think that, that, that Jesus' sacrifice is not enough to keep you. Thinking maybe that when I fall into sin, I have to work really hard to get myself back into God's favor. That I have to earn my way back. You didn't earn your way in, you can't earn your way back. All of these presentations of a false Jesus. Predicate to of presentation of a false gospel. Where they get Jesus wrong, they get the gospel wrong as well. And everywhere that the gospel is wrong, where Jesus is wrong, it is no good news at all what they bring. You can call it a gospel, but it's no good news. It's no good news if it cannot save. It's no good news if all it is is a burden weighing you down to hell. Or simply some ointment some salve to to dull your conscience as you wander aimlessly and meander your way into hell so then what do we make of these who preach from a false spirit who preach a false christ john says the spirit by which they preach is antichrist the Lord promised there would be false Christs, false teachers that would arise, that would deceive, that would try to lead astray, uh, even if possibly the elect of God. And John here speaks uh, that this coming of the Antichrist has been prophesied beforehand and now, now is already being fulfilled in these who are accomplishing the Antichrist work by going out as emissaries of Satan and enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. They go out to deceive and destroy just as their father the devil does. Additionally, these ones have been active in the world since those days, since the days of the first century, Uh, and they are, as I've already mentioned, um, still active in the world today. You can't turn on the TV uh, and go to Christian channels without finding some of them, or say, browse through YouTube or Facebook or Twitter for what would... What's supposed to pass is Christian content. Sometimes you'll you, you'll find some faithful people, but um, that sort of free reign there for anybody to upload their thoughts, uh, you tend to find myriads of false teachers, uh, just throwing whatever foolishness comes out of their or comes into their mind out there. You can't go long without running into these. Is the uh, the point? These ones who give an appearance as though they may be Christian, who speak Christianese, who check a few of the boxes off. But any protracted time of listening to them tells you that they have something that's not quite right. It seems the longer you listen to, to them, the more and more it sort of stacks up. The more the snowball tends to go down and the avalanche tends to roll And what is the Christian response to this? That there are these false teachers out there, these uh, who lie, who deceive, who threaten to... Uh, and, and that's, uh, I guess, even another one. There's, some of them will, will threaten, say things like, oh, you'll be judged by God because you're touching God's anointed. Benny Hinn's a, a favorite a proponent of that one. But uh, here, in verse 4, we have for, for us, John... Turns turns from, from that there to give us encouragement. Verse 4, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. <clears throat> so, the point that the Christian, we should use caution, especially the young, inexperienced Christian who has maybe not had their discernment trained quite as much. Uh, that, that, that we should be cautious, uh, be aware of the, of the works of the evil one, the devices that he uses. Um, not, be, not be strangers uh, to understanding that. doesn't mean we should necessarily dive headlong into some study of demonology or anything like that, but be aware of the devices that the enemy uses. Uh, look at the places in which uh, in Scripture, in which deceptions uh, that are brought about that are um, are brought about by Satan are, are used. Look at uh, Genesis three, or uh, look at our Lord's temptation in the wilderness. Those, those examples of how Satan will will twist things that are well were originally said to us in in almost the same terms, but just sort of twist some words out of order or something. Uh, in the beginning. To, to Eve, did God really say you can't eat of you know every tree in the garden? Well, of course not. He said we just couldn't eat one tree in the garden. And then to Jesus, quoting Scripture even to him in the wilderness. Don't think that uh, Satan's Satan's emissaries will not try the same tactics with us. They are just like though they are just like the one whose spirit they speak from. And so we ought to use caution, but we ought not fear. They have no power over us. They cannot cannot truly harm us. Jesus said, fear not him who who can destroy the body, and after that has no power. Rather, fear him who can destroy the body and the soul in hell. Rather, we're to fear our God who is greater. And we're to be encouraged because our God who is greater indwells us. That the Christian has the Holy Spirit indwelling them, leading us into the truth. So as we have the Holy Spirit within us, as He is sanctifying us, as He is growing us in christ likeness, as we are digging into the Word of God and becoming, becoming changed to be more like Christ, as we're uh, having our minds filled with Scripture. So, so it'll be much easier uh, to... To quickly cast off any of these false teachings that would come our way, uh, they don't even pass the initial smell test. We, init- we, we can initially, at a, at a first whiff, say, that smells like heresy to me. It smells like false teaching. Something smells wrong. It's like soured milk. So ultimately, we have nothing to fear. But we ought not be complacent. Be cautious, but do not fear Satan. He's a defeated foe. Our great king has crushed his arms. Satan's power over us was broken on the cross. If we are in Christ, Jesus has, Jesus has overcome him, overcame him for us. We overcome through him who overcomes and whom we trust. So now John rounds out this uh, passage here of Scripture in verses 5 and 6. He rounds out the section by showing us definitively this line of demarcation between a true and false teacher. And we can say as well, true and false converts as well. Uh, the, the main point of this passage, though, being true and false teachers. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world hears them. We are from God. The one who knows God hears us. The one who who is not from God does not hear us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The the one, one, or we could say, I guess, uh, starting here, that the the, the two examples here that John gives us that we can tell them apart. One is is their speech and their conduct in life. Uh, The true and false uh, convert and the true and false teacher uh, will speak, uh, like those of this world. They will, and this is especially true of a teacher, they will entice with things of this world. They will speak in the ways of this world. They will enamor those who are caught up in the possessions of this world. surprise. Uh, there is no surprise, the reason, uh, there's no surprise that the prosperity gospel is as popular as it is. It is because it's what everybody wants. We all want to be healthy, we all want to be wealthy, and we all want to just live a happy, happy life. We all want to be prosperous, especially Americans. Like, for some reason, like, we're just, we have this, this idea that that, that that is the measure of, of, what, of what it is to, to, to live. I and mean, when we have had brothers and sisters throughout the centuries who have been without, who have suffered want, and have been perfectly fine and content in the Lord Jesus who have lived, in many ways, I would say, uh, more mature lives in Christ than many of us have. They drew their strength from Christ rather than from that next paycheck. And so, those of this world who are teachers of the things of this world will, of course, speak as, as, the, uh, as the world speaks. They'll entice with the things that the world loves. And those who are of the world, they'll hear it. John says that. Uh, that. That points us to our second point there, that the difference being the source that they, that they draw from, this foundation that they have. They in there, and, and inevitably, really, they, they have no foundation themselves. Uh, we, as Christians, draw upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets of God in the Holy Scripture. And John says that there, that those who are of God, they hear the voice of God in the apostles and prophets. They listen to the apostles. But those who are not of God, they listen to these false teachers. These are their guys. The ones who they, they love to hear. Love to hear Benny Hinn. Love to hear Joel Osteen. Love to hear... Um, uh, Man with the crazy eyes, I can't even remember his name at the moment. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland. I love to hear these guys because they tell them everything they want to hear, that you're not that bad, and that God loves you and wants you to have everything that you ever wanted. But the Christian wants to hear the truth. They want to hear the hard truth. They want to hear they want to hear it first, I am a sinner. I deserve God's wrath, but Jesus Christ bore the wrath for me in my place. They want to hear the good news that Jesus died to save me from my evil, from my sins, from the wrath that I've earned for myself, that he bore it in my place. Therefore, the true teacher is the one who will give that, who will go to the Word of God and draw out the truth in the Word of God and... Disperse it to God's people. Distill it to you. The one who will tell you to turn back to the word of God and test everything that I am telling you. To see if it's actually in there. And the false teacher will do the opposite. They'll give you everything that they've cooked up in their mind. Every God told me this or that or this prophecy or that prophecy or... Seven different ways from Sunday, they'll come up with some new idea. They're enamored with every new philosophy that the world comes up with. They're caught up in, in everything of this present age and whatever is vogue. They're gelatin. They'll fit whatever mold you put them in. There's no backbone to it. No foundation. There is no foundation. To it. For the Christian, we have the rock solid foundation of the Word, the rock Jesus spoke of, that the one who hears His words and keeps them is like the one who builds his house on the stone, digs down and builds it on the bedrock instead of on the sand with no foundation. So then, those outside of Christ, maybe you see that you have been. Maybe it's revealed to you that today uh, you've been locked in this deceptive power of Satan, that you have been enamored by all these false teachings for so long that it is just that. Yeah, I just want to hear. I just want to hear those things that are pleasing to my ears. I want my ears tickled. I want to hear pleasant things. I don't. I didn't want to hear the hard things. If you hear the hard things and and now you're awakened to your desperate state, I would encourage you, I'd plead with you, entreat with you to listen to the gospel call. Don't don't listen to the to the voices that, that try to lull you into a false sense of security, telling you that it's okay, that you'll be fine, that, that God's not going to judge your sin, that you're you're gonna be fine. He'll he'll welcome you into heaven because you're a pretty good guy. None of us are pretty good guys, all of us are wicked, false. We all deserve his wrath. Jesus was the only good man. And he died as a volunteer for us. I would say to you, listen to the gospel call and obey the voice of God in the gracious work of the Holy Spirit as he leads you to Jesus Christ. I would plead with you that you would repent and believe the gospel, that you would believe Jesus God, the second person of the Trinity, became a man, that He didn't divest Himself of His deity, but that He added humanity to Himself. And in that humanity, He was miraculously conceived and born to the Virgin Mary, that He lived the perfect sinless life that you and I have failed to live, and that in the fullness of time, He laid down His life on the cross for us, bearing the wrath that we deserve. Doing this for all who will trust in Him me and you, if you will repent and trust in him, you'll turn from your sins and believe on him for salvation. He was then laid in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he arose from the dead. And this is the gospel, that Jesus died for sinners among whom I am chief. In his life he earned the righteousness in which we are clothed and by which we stand before God. In his death he bore the wrath that we deserve from Almighty God, and that we should have suffered for eternity in hell for our sins. In his resurrection he shows that the payment for our sins is accepted and complete just as he said on the cross, "Tetelestai, it is finished." The transaction is completed, paid in full. And also too in his resurrection he shows he gives us an eternal hope that just as he rose so too he will raise us up on the last day. Death is not final for the Christian. He now stands and intercedes for us before God for all who will trust in Him, all who have and will trust in Him. To my brothers and sisters in Christ, I will say, uh, to encourage you, don't fear or be terrified by our enemy. It is easy, and and I I myself am guilty of it, just being troubled by the fear of man. Afraid maybe sometimes to say things that we ought to say. Uh, We easily get we have these grandiose ideas in our mind that, oh, if my faith were ever challenged, if they were ever to threaten to behead me, if they were ever to threaten to kill me for the faith, I'd stand strong and I'd die. But, but we, we, we would stand strong against an army, but we'd tremble at a mouse. Because we, we, we were afraid to, to maybe talk of our faith to our friends or our family, uh, to, to stand firm on what we actually believe. Don't fear fear. Satan, don't fear those who, who follow in His wake. But go as we've been commanded. Go as Jesus has told us uh, that we'll be successful. He said His church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates are a defensive thing. It means Christians, we're charging the gates. The gates of hell won't stand against the Christians. We'll, we're to go out and to preach the gospel knowing that God will save people. Draw them out from, from the pathway to hell. Additionally, be weary though. Do not be caught up in new teachings, new philosophies of this world, whatever they may be. Uh, new and fresh things oftentimes are just old warmed over heresies. Be weary of that. Look to the Word of God for your, for your strength, for your, for your guidance, for your steadfastness. Look to Jesus who is who is our, who's our all, our all and all. Rest in his work, rest in his completed work. Don't be deceived into thinking you need anything else than Jesus and His perfect work. If anyone tells you you need Jesus plus something, they're trying to make merchandise of you. Paul speaks like that uh, of those. False teachers to the Galatians who wanted them to be circumcised. He said that you they want to do that with you so that they can glorify, so they can glory in your flesh, so that they can be seen to be somebody. Look to Jesus. Rest in Jesus. Find your confidence in Him. Be strong and unshaken in Him. Trusting in Him, knowing that He is greater than all. Brothers, sisters, I'll leave you with this, too—a a favorite hymn of many of us here. Uh, third verse in it, that of uh, a mighty fortress. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell in, that word being Jesus. That word above all earthly power, no thanks to them abideth. Have confidence, brothers and sisters, for our king... Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, is victorious. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word, which instructs us, guides us. And we thank You, Lord, that we are not left to our own devices, but that Your Spirit indwells us, who have, have, by Your grace, been born again and made to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, guide us into all truth. Help us to search the Scriptures daily, continually, to be, filled, uh, to be filled with the truth of your word, to, be, uh, to have our minds filled with that, to be renewed in our minds, Lord. Help us to be confident, to stand firm in the truth in which you have given us in your word. Help us to be confident in the Lord Jesus, resting in him and in his finished work. We pray, Lord, for our lost friends, our family, uh, neighbors, Lord, that they would hear. Help us to go and to do as you have commanded us and to bring the gospel to them. Our master, these things we ask and we pray in the holy name of Jesus, our God and our Savior, in whom we trust. In Jesus' name, amen.